This episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast is presented by Sling. Coming up this weekend, we have all the title races from around Europe and around the world. Many of them are on Sling TV, including the Premier League and Ligue 1. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. My name is Christopher Harris. I'm joined by my co-host Kartik Krishnayer. It is a day of talking about many different topics. From the past couple of episodes, we got so much feedback from you, the listeners, about MLS Season Pass, what you loved about it, what you don't like about it. Uh, we will discuss that uh, at length, I'm sure, in the listener mailbag uh, segment. Some really good feedback, some really insightful comments there about um, why you're watching it or why you're not watching it, etc. But before we get anywhere close to that, let's talk about some of the uh, promotions and relegations uh, throughout Europe. And, and of course, uh, title races, uh, races for European qualification, as well as relegation. Uh, and anything else that may uh, may have interested us in the, p- the past few days, whether it's Super Classico uh, from Argentina, etc. Kartik, let's, let's take a journey around uh, Europe to start with. Uh, what are the title races uh, that you're most plugged into and most excited about, other than England for now? Let's, let's, let's start off on continental Europe. Well, uh, Germany for sure, with... Uh uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, trying to chase down Bayern Munich. Obviously, very controversial match uh, now 10 days ago, Dortmund and Balkum, where uh, Dortmund were not a, inexplicably not only not awarded a penalty, but the referee didn't even consult with VAR on it. Uh, and that dropped Dortmund a point behind uh, Bayern. But at this point, Bayern look very wobbly in every match. They look very wobbly for most of their match against Hertha Berlin, who were at the foot of the table two weeks ago. They looked really poor for much of the match against Werder Bremen uh, on Saturday, but they won. Uh, so they, they, they're they grinding out uh, results, and they know how to win titles. Uh, Dortmund look, at this point, much more uh, nailed on as a as a side that uh, likely will win, win out uh, final three matches. We'll have to see with uh, Bayern. They play Schalke on uh, uh, this weekend. Schalke fighting relegation, but also probably not in the mood to do Dortmund, their great rivals, any favors. So that's that's going to be very intriguing. Uh, so, Kartik, let me let me just chime in before we move on to Italy. So, if you ask most uh, Bundesliga fans of Bundesliga clubs, they will say the VAR in Germany is the best. If you ask MLS or fans of MLS teams, they will say MLS VAR is the best. Uh, I don't think anyone in England saying uh, that the the VAR in the Premier League is the best, but to me, <laughs> we've seen we've seen so many mistakes in the Bundesliga with VAR, with MLS in VAR, with the Premier League, of course, in VAR they do it differently, so it is more you you see the mistakes happening bef- uh, in front of your eyes. I I think we can all agree that VAR. Is, I mean, it's it, at the end of the day, right? It's down to the human interpretation of what they're seeing. And mistakes are being made, things are being overlooked. You mean VAR in terms of Germany, especially uh, that game that the Dortmund uh, Bochum game. Uh, you mean they should have sent the, the referee to the monitor? They didn't. You mean so on and so forth. I, I think we can all agree, right? The VAR has still has a long way to go to to be what we want it to be, if it is, <laughs> if we want it at all. 
Yeah, and I, I've been one of those people who said VAR is done better in Germany. It's quicker. There's less performative aspect to it than in England. But uh, these last two weeks, they've been mistakes. The dortmund Balkan one. And then there was, I think, a, a clear penalty shout that at least should have been looked at for Werder Bremen against Bayern, which uh, there was no VAR initiated. There was no look at it. And uh, that might have changed that match. So the entire trajectory of the title race has been impacted by... VAR's subjectivity or, 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 or lack of usage, you know, there's not even a hard and fast rule as to when it's used and when it's not used, I think is part of the issue, uh, which interjects that extra layer of subjectivity in every decision as, as you're talking about. One, one more thing about this, too, because uh, it, we're recording this on Tuesday. We'll hopefully find out some information in the next uh, 48 hours. And if so, we'll publish uh, some more details at worldsoccertalk.com. But this coming Monday, so uh, it's going to be the Monday that uh, Liverpool plays Leicester. Sky Sports, before that game, are going to air 30 minutes, a, a show that uh, is going to feature Howard Webb, who's now head of the uh, PGMOL in England. Um, they're going to talk about VAR and actually uh, going. They're going to actually uh, release some of the audio from the referees from this season in the Premier League and show you instances where uh, VAR was used or some controversial decisions, and you get to hear the audio of what's happening. the The goal, I'm sure, is to try to educate the 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 soccer fans such as ourselves to get a better appreciation of how decisions are made um, and to, to listen in and, and hear that these are real humans after all, uh, you mean back and forth discussing what happens in, in a game. So the, the game plan is that Sky Sports uh, will have it in the UK on Monday and then the Premier League has made it available to all international broadcasters and we're looking into whether or not NBC Sports is going to uh, broadcast this on Monday. But it will be interesting. We've seen this a little bit um, this season, Kartik, with uh, the French League. And the French League, we've heard some audio of, of the referees. And um, you mean, it helps us understand it, really, because when you hear the, what the referees are saying, and what the players are saying back and forth, uh, it gives us a better understanding of the process. And, and yes, at the end of the day, mistakes are made. But the way that it's happening right now in terms of whether it's Germany or MLS or the Premier League or other leagues is we don't know. We, we, we're kind of at a loss. Sometimes with the, the German League and the MLS League, um, th those decisions and those conversations are happening off camera. Uh, so we don't get to hear those. On the Premier League, we don't hear those conversations either. But we do see the screens and the lines being drawn. And we kind of see kind of how we kind of guess kind of the conversations that go on. So perhaps there's progress on the way. Um, and I think having the audio of referees will help a lot, uh, at least to give us some idea of why decisions are actually made the way that they are. All right, on to, on to Italy, Kartik, on our journey around Europe. Yeah, Napoli have won the title, which has been a fantastic story, I think, for fans all over the world. I mean, I've seen more celebration of this title victory than... I think any title victory I've seen outside of Leicester's in the last uh, uh, 15 or 20 years, even more than when Lille won the uh, uh, won the French League a few years ago, which I thought was a, was a really cool thing. Uh, but Italy, really interesting spots, two to six. Maurizio Sarri's Lazio team is collapsing. Uh, they've been sitting in second for much of the last uh, month or two. Uh, Juventus, by the way, had their 15-point deduction reversed 
for now. So as of now, Juventus is in third. Uh, but uh, you've got Lazio, Juventus, Milan, Inter, Roma, and an A- Atalanta. That's six teams fighting for three spots in Champions League. So uh, really exciting coming down the stretch in Italy. But Sarri's Lazio team falling away, much like his Juve team the year he got sacked uh, did. He, they, they won the title, but they they turned like a 12-point lead into a one-point lead by the end of the season. And then, obviously, his final year at Napoli before he moved to Chelsea, they were hot on Juve's tails the entire season and fell away in late April, early May. So it seems to be a repeat thing. I don't know if it's a fitness issue or he drills his teams too hard and they have nothing left in the tank at the end of the season. But Lazio's collapse is bringing everybody else back into uh, play for second place. And and as I said, uh, six teams for three remaining Champions League spots, uh, obviously Napoli nailed on. Yeah, and I think too, also with uh, Juventus getting the points back, um, they, you may put them back in, in the race for Europe and, and definitely kind of, you mean, makes it more competitive there in those, uh, you mean, second through like like fifth or sixth spots. So, yeah, that's certainly one to watch um, coming right down the, to the wire, just as it is in England. I mean, with the Premier League, um, Liverpool, you mean, now <laughs> right hot on the heels of Manchester United uh, for the top four spots, uh, Newcastle, uh, of course, uh, in third place. But, yeah, it's... Uh, and, and and I guess everyone's kind of waiting for Man City to slip up. Uh, they look unstoppable, and I mean, I mean, I think most of us believe that they will continue just their dominance, both in probably in Europe, but most definitely in the Premier League. And then Arsenal will give it a go, and you you always kind of hope for the best. It'll be a really tight finish at the end, but. City seems to be so so far ahead um, on 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 the field, really. So we, we looked oftentimes too. We look at we talked about this on the last pe- podcast. Oftentimes we look at the relegation battle as, as even more exciting and even more competitive. And we saw that on Monday. Uh, we were both looking forward to this one. It was actually a full day of uh, matches from what seven thirty in the morning um, with um, games in the the football league. Uh, and then you had the championship games at 10 a.m. And then you had three relegation battles uh, in the Premier League. Those three relegation battles, those three games uh, generated 21 goals, uh, which gives you an idea of, of why some of those teams, uh, not all, but some, why some of those teams are uh, in that relegation dogfight because uh, even they're just uh, leaking goals like crazy. To me, Kartik, I think Leeds United uh, were the biggest losers from the from the weekend games. On Monday morning, they were in fourth from bottom, uh, the position in the table. And then once Monday's games were over, um, without even kicking a ball, they ended up second from bottom. Uh, and I think we talked about this last week. We thought, OK, Southampton has a chance. West Ham are not safe. And I think after this weekend's games, to me, Southampton essentially down. West Ham are safe. And so it's really down to Everton, Leicester, Leeds and Forest to figure out which of those two clubs go down. And looking at the form and looking at uh, confidence uh, on the pitch and how they're playing, to me, Leeds are the worst of the bunch. And um, so right now it looks like, to me, Southampton, Leeds and Leicester are most likely to be uh, relegated. Carter, do you agree or do you see any any change between now and the end of the season? Well, I I think Leicester 
their performance. Uh, look, I, I don't like it when uh, when people say, oh, if you watch a match, it could have been 8-0 or 10-0 and the score was only 2-0. Uh, they say that a lot about Manchester City, right? But there's a, a lack of, of clinical finishing. There are reasons why those match it, why uh, those matches in 2 or 3-0. Fulham-Leicester, no joke, could have been 6-0, 7-0 by halftime. It was that bad. I think it was so bad that Fulham players were shocked that they had so much time and space on the ball and uh, and, and had free headers coming on, on, on set pieces so regularly that you, you, you miss your chances because you're, it's like a training exercise, right? Um, no joke. I mean, that's how bad the first half was. And you're talking about a Fulham team without Mitrovic, without Pereira, without Reem. Uh, a team that's really stretched depth-wise. They got Willian back, which made a huge difference, obviously, in this match. Tom Kearney, who was one of the top players in the championship last year, hasn't been you know, as big a player this year in the Premier League for them. Uh, takes his opportunity with all those injuries, Pereira in particular, and, 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 and puts his mark on the game. Leicester, to me, looked done. This is a team that two seasons ago was in the top four the entire season until the last match day. This is a team that won the FA Cup two years ago. I, I just don't have an explanation. The the personnel is still the same uh, for the most part, but uh, they're guys who are looking for their next con their next move or they got old. I think there's two sets two buckets of players there. Um, I think but, I think I think two things here. Well, actually, one thing is is uh, I'm actually a little bit concerned about John Terry. So John Terry, I mean, in terms of defensive uh, organization, you would think that having him involved there with Dean Smith at Leicester would make a, di- a difference at the back. Also, too, John Terry at uh, Aston Villa when they were leaking goals, and and there seems to be kind of a. It's probably a little bit of bad luck in terms of the teams he's uh, working. Well, actually, look at look at Villa now, right? A, a completely different team. So that that's my concern in terms of John Terry's uh, future coaching um, aspirations. I'm sure he wants to become a manager, but so far his track record isn't so good with the teams uh, he's been involved with. Um, well, one thing I would say in response to that, Chris, is that I think JT did a really good job the end of Villa's first season back in the Premier League on Dean Smith's staff with those defenders. He had a discernible impact on both Tyrone Mings and Kansa. I think it was because of the COVID break, to be perfectly honest with you. I think he needed that time. He hasn't had that time with the Leicester defenders. But but that having been said, you're absolutely right. Uh, the hope for an immediate impact um, isn't there. I mean, they, they're the worst defensive team in the league. Uh, I, I don't. I, I know Bournemouth, I think, has conceded more goals and maybe Forrest have def- uh, conceded more goals. But uh, uh, Leicester have an inability to mark on set pieces. That's been a problem all season long under both managers, and uh, they have had a, a a problem in defending early in matches. And some matches that they've won, they've come from behind and won, but they, they can't keep clean sheets. So, uh, And my other, my other thing on this would be I would still watch Forrest because I'm concerned Forrest do concede goals. I'm concerned that they are not very good away from home. Um, I have to look at the fixture lifts more carefully, but we do see a possibility now that West Ham is safe. Uh, and we know Spurs are, are are always shaky. There is a possibility, and Newcastle's wobbling. There is a possibility Sam can uh, get some points out of this Leeds team down the stretch. So uh, I keep an eye on Forrest. I think you're right, Leeds probably go down, but I just have a sense maybe their fixture list isn't looking as tough uh, now as it was a week ago. 
Yeah, that game against Manchester City was really a, a, a morale victory for uh, Sam Allardyce, right? You, you saw it saw it with the fans at the end of the game that Leeds United supporters had belief <laughs> for the first time in probably a couple of months. They looked like they, they actually believed or they believed that, that Big Sam can help them stay up. And you did see a better performance from, from Leeds on the pitch and, and playing with the, the three centre-backs, uh, definitely harder for City to break down. And then, really, kind of the first, the two goals that City scored were really defensive lapses uh, from Leeds United, and and you know it, things are bad, Kartik, when uh, Leicester's defence looks worse than Leeds United. So yeah, Leicester definitely uh, in big, big trouble there too. So, in terms of, it's interesting too, and this is complete coincidence, but the three teams that are at the bottom of the Premier League. Um, are all linked to Jesse Marsh in some way. If, of course, you've got Southampton, where uh, Jesse Marsh uh, passed on that job. Then you have Leeds, where uh, Marsh was that was there for what, over a year. And then Leicester, uh, who, who Jesse Marsh was linked to, and, and he passed on that job too. Um, however, regardless, regardless of that, Kartik, one of the points I, I've been thinking about too is with Jesse Marsh really failing at Leeds United, uh, ultimately, and then Ralph Rangnick uh, failing at Manchester United, albeit in a very difficult situation. Do you believe, is it safe to say that the Red Bull system of coaching uh, doesn't work in the Premier League? I, I, I'm i not sure. I think it depends on having the right set of players. And Hassan Hotel was, I would say, mildly successful at Southampton for a period of time because he was able to to bring in the type of players that fit that system. Now, in the end, it ended up being a failure. Although, quite frankly, maybe if they kept him, they wouldn't be in this position. So, may, but maybe there's an asterisk there. I do think uh, you have to have. A, a a specific build and a specific type of player. Ranick did not have that at Man United. Uh, Leeds were getting there under Jesse Marsh, uh, but yeah, it's tough. You can't do it with ordinary uh, ordinary set of players that may be acquired for whatever reasons by other uh, directors of football. And I think it's also a situation where it's tougher to execute maybe with higher profile players, which would have been another issue at Manchester United. I mean, it's similar. Pochettino's style is not identical. It's it's more like a Bielsa style, but you see, saw the trouble he had at PSG, unlike Spurs, where he took a, a very young group of players and were able to mold them. Uh, and uh, obviously Bielsa uh, at Leeds took a, a group of really League One and low-level championship players and molded them into a top-half Premier League side uh, but with his system. So sometimes systems themselves require patience and the right type of player and time on the training ground. And I'm not sure... Randy got that at United, and I don't. I, I mean, in Marsh's case, he had a couple transfer windows, right? So may, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe the Marsh uh, uh, failure is more uh, more of an indictment of the system than Ranick at, at United. Yeah, I think I think Marsh's one of his biggest mistakes was really just in terms of the transfer windows. Uh, for the most part, those not those players not coming through and working out for Leeds. Uh, Tyler Adams, uh, kind of the big exception there, where I mean, he's been a, really the standout player. And then the injury really, really um, hurt hurt Leeds in terms of this season. All right, before we move on to the listener mailbag, uh, some p- piece of news coming in, and that's uh, it looks very likely that Leo Messi has signed a deal with uh, Al Hilal in Saudi Arabia uh, after this uh, summer's uh, after the end the summer with uh, PSG. Uh, reportedly making $650 million a year, uh, which is <laughs> insane, uh, far more than what MLS could offer. 
uh, far more than what Barcelona could offer, if it could even offer anything. Uh, they're still going through a lot of issues there too. So it looks very likely that uh, Messi will be there in Saudi Arabia next year. This was really... I mean, one of the, kind of a shot in the dark. This is something that MLS has been pushing for for several months, um, really pushing hard to try to sign uh, Messi, and uh, also a big linchpin in um, in MLS season pass. Right? I mean, a lot of people are thinking, okay, MLS season pass really kind of what could really boost that streaming service is Messi joining MLS. That would you mean skyrocket it uh, globally, not not even just nationwide. So it appears that, that that's not not happening. I mean, yes, Messi's going for the money. Um, however, even if even if MLS could offer the same amount of money, my concern about Messi going to into Miami is they don't have a a permanent stadium. They're playing in in a temporary stadium uh, that looks okay, but it's I mean by the time the permanent stadium stadium is actually built and ready in Miami, uh, which they still haven't broken ground yet. You're you're looking at probably no earlier than 2025, and probably, if anything, knowing Miami is probably closer to 2026. So you're still a few years off from that being ready. And and if the stadium was in place, and if the money was was more and closer to kind of what uh, Saudi Arabia was offering, which I I don't think MLS could even afford anyway, maybe then you'd have a chance. But uh, at this point, it looks like... uh, Messi to Saudi Arabia for for maybe a year or two years, maybe maybe a year, and and then maybe then come into MLS. But then still, there's the issue of the, of the stadium not being ready uh, in time. All right, so let's move on to the mailbag. Um, we've got a lot of feedback about MLS season pass. Uh, first up is Esteban. Esteban says uh, MLS has all production control, which includes all highlights to other networks um, that uh, other networks want to show. Apple is just a delivery service, nothing more. It's likely that ESPN isn't asking for the highlights. I 100% agree MLS has been sniffing their own farts. There's a reason they jumped to this Apple deal. No way ESPN, Fox, or Univision was going to give them what they wanted. Those partners know the numbers for MLS. MLS has failed to live up to their promises with them. Here we are. The truth of the product is starting uh, is staring at MLS in the face. There's no uh, TV magic, 4K, virtual reality, augmented reality that is going to somehow make the game better off, uh, better on the field. There's a lot structurally that needs to change on the field. If MLS was getting uh, Liga MX, t- uh, US TV numbers, we would call that a success. Next up is Jonathan Rapley. Jonathan says, it's all about value for money. Why pay $15 for MLS season pass for one league when I can pay $5 for several better leagues? MLS is only getting worse on the global scale. 60% of the league making the playoffs, no relegation. Where is the incentive for me to get invested? I use Paramount Plus for UEFA competitions during the season, but I intend to keep it uh, during the summer and follow the Brazilian and Argentine leagues as they will offer more meaningful games. Uh, Next up is John Sack. John says, thanks for all the work you do. Uh, I have MLS season pass and I would find it more valuable if there were more days in the week that had games. Right now, I'm lucky to catch two games a week on Saturday nights and they usually overlap by one hour. Hardly worth buying a MLS season pass compared to other uh, pro sports leagues that go all week. I had high hopes for MLS Next Pro to fill some of that gap. 
but there is zero atmosphere while watching these games. A lot of people have to work on Saturdays and jamming all the games in one day really limits the, the market to those who have Saturdays off. That being said, I hope they find success and I really appreciate the conversations you all bring to the podcast. Kartik, what, what's your thoughts about, I mean, that's been one of the biggest uh, points of uh, kind of basically, um, one, of, one of the biggest things for MLS fans is that it's not fair. We should have more games over more days rather than trying to, to kind of squeeze them all, um, almost all of them into Saturday night. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I think uh, that's a valid concern because the way I see it, uh, those games have been scheduled in such a way for two reasons. One is to maximize ticket sales, which is still the greatest driver of MLS revenue outside of Soccer United marketing properties. And two, to uh, create uh, the context for this uh, this whip around show, MLS 360, by having all the matches happening simultaneously and having Liam McHugh and Kalen Kyle and, and, and uh, BWP and Sasha and, and whoever their guests are react. Up and 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 make good television that way. Uh, but what it's done is it's uh, it's turned fans off. I was wrong. I thought, okay, this is great. Uh, I, it's some, a lesson I learned very early on at uh, NASL when I was working there that you want to set your uh, your kickoff times for um, for for uh, to maximize uh, ticket sales, which is part of the reason why. Uh, Cold TV actually showed some of our games on tape delay the first year uh, because it just didn't fit their programming schedule. Now, when we, we were on BN and CBS, uh, that was different. They showed the games live. But um, I, I, I kind of get it now because I'm hearing uh, what, what, what uh, John has said here. I'm hearing from countless people about how, what a waste they think it is and, and regretting spending the money because they're saying everything happens in a window on Saturday night when oftentimes I don't even want to watch uh, the games on Saturday night. And then there's nothing the rest of the week. Now, um, I, I, I do think that might change as the season wears on and you have some midweek matches and you have Leagues Cup, etc. But for now, that's a common complaint. Yeah, it's tricky, though, for MLS when you think about it, right? Because MLS 360 is really, right now, their flagship show to broadcast uh, the league. However, if you have the game spread out, so say MLS says, you know what, what? we're going to listen to to the feedback from uh, MLS fans, and now we're going to have games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and maybe a a game on Monday, and have a a similar schedule in terms of concept, not, not kickoff times. But concept to say the Premier League, where you have often have games Friday, I mean Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It's across a, a long weekend, um, and then sometimes you have midweek games too. So let's put all the games, let's spread them out. Let's have them like say say Thursday through Monday. Well, that basically makes MLS 360 irrelevant because you're going to have very few games on at the same time. So MLS 360 really showcases the league. Uh, in the best way possible by having as many games played at the same time. And because you have so many teams in the league, watching MLS 360, you hope that, okay, there'll be enough entertainment there to really kind of um, crystallize MLS and, and, and for people to, to watch that and go, yes, this is really fun. This is exciting. So what do they do? I mean, they're in a tough situation. And we've seen too, right, Kantik? We've seen in previous years, well, many years, a decade, right, of MLS having games on different nights of the week and trying to create an audience. They used to have Thursday night uh, football, uh, Thursday night soccer, 
They've done Thursday night. They've done every practically almost every single day of the week, and it still didn't have an impact on the TV viewing numbers in a positive way. So by compartmentalizing everything together on a Saturday night, I prefer it because I know that I can create time in my schedule for like okay every Saturday night. I know it's MLS night, and I can watch watch MLS three sixty or hop around some of the games. And I find it entertaining for the most part, depending on how good the games are at the end of the day. But you mean, so there, 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 there's, there, it's a tough position to be in because, yeah, you're right. Kind of the some there's a lot of MLS fans that want to watch more than a game or two, especially if they overlap. Um, I don't know how do they get out of this, Kartik? How how do they figure out a solution for this? I don't know. I mean, in fact, uh, there was an industry insider that gave me some feedback uh, privately on our podcast from Friday and told me, you you and Chris have offered some wonderful solutions. I can guarantee you they won't take any of them. They're locked in. That's what this person told me. So that's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say. And this is a person who, who would know. So uh, that's uh, that, that, that really kind of... Uh, uh, disappointed me to a certain extent, but uh, basically, basically said, "Look, they, they've weighed all the trade-offs involved in this, and and uh, they've they've made their decision based on what doesn't hurt their business the most at the other end, which is ticket sales and sponsorship sales and keeping sort of appointment viewing for local fans of clubs. So the question is, are they a national television product or are they a local entertainment option? Uh, they're having they're, they they can't thread the needle and do both. It appears, and the uh, local entertainment option is how they make their money. Yeah, and and right now it's a local entertainment option that has a whip around show on a national basis where people can you know go ahead and watch most of those games. And um, but it's not setting the you I mean it's not, not setting the world on fire, right? So I I think they they should stick to that and stick to that to that format. And then over time, I mean, again, we go back to the same things, right? You need to look at a way to restructure the season to make it more meaningful, whether it's having split seasons, similar to Liga Mekis, making it more entertaining in that method where you still have the playoffs. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different things they could do that they need. They can't do this season. Um, and I don't think by them spreading the games out over a few days that really, yes, it will satisfy some people, but it's not going to increase uh, the number of subscriptions. What I would say is perhaps if you do have all the games on Saturday nights like you do now, for the most part, except for others, reduce the price. Reduce the price a little bit and make it something where fans feel, okay, I may not be able to watch every single game, but having them all pretty much together at the same time. Uh, on a Saturday night, um, it's still it's still value for money. The other thing, I, the one thing I think that we haven't talked about really is the thing that's missing. I think is that um, the big game on a Saturday night on MLS Season Pass. I don't get a feeling for okay, this is the big game. This is the game that uh, has a lot of uh, pre-match interviews and kind of the build-up, the excitement, the anticipation. We did get that maybe three or four weeks ago, I think, when Taylor Twelman did one of the games. And that might have been, I don't know, LAFC, maybe, or maybe it was El Trafico. For the El Trafico, that was great. It was at a different time. It wasn't on a Saturday night. It was, what, Saturday afternoon, I think it was. And you had the build-up. And it felt like, okay, this is going to be a major game. And it felt like this is something. And MLS Season Pass did a great job of that build-up. What we get right now is pretty much everything in the kitchen sink thrown into Saturday night. 
and everything feels the same, and and there doesn't feel to be a big game. I mean, so so that's something. Maybe as the season goes on for those big games where they really do matter, uh, maybe then they say, okay, well, let's take that one game and let's move, let's, let's change that, let's move it to a a Sunday afternoon or or a, or a Saturday afternoon. All right, let's go to the rest of the mailbag. We've got Edward. Edward says. Um, MLS and Apple TV should add a per-team subscription tier. So if you're a Chicago Fire fan, you can pay to watch just those games at a lower price than all the league games. I think lots of local fans would spring for that. Whereas paying $99 per year for games you don't watch or don't care about will turn some fans off. And I think that's that's something we've heard a lot of from other uh, fans too. Rich says, uh, people don't like MLS in a similar way that people don't like Apple. The corporate entity is a turnoff. The league thinks the league itself is the product, not the teams and the players. The branding is homogenous. League history is lost down a memory hole. The owners think they can just reinvent or invent an NFL-like league in a couple of decades. That's a reality that the league won't overcome overnight. Tom says uh, MLS thinks way too highly of themselves as evident in this Apple TV deal. In this attention economy, with so many other choices, people are not going to pay that fee to watch another sport. I don't think NFL could succeed at this model. And that fan base is, uh, uh, that fan base is generational, generational, loyal, uh, causes people to get together socially and has a robust fantasy game. All things MLS will never reach in the USA. Uh, furthermore, I already subscribed to Apple, so I thought I would get MLS, just like I, when I subscribe to Paramount Plus and Peacock, I, I get NWSL and Premier League, uh, respectively. This I have found other ways on. Th- thus, I have found other ways on TV to feed my love uh, for soccer. I will come back to MLS when they come back to me, an average American just trying to make ends meet and enjoy some soccer along the way. We've heard that a lot, Kartik, from people that. Actually, in the comments section at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as the listener uh, feedback that we've gotten, where soccer fans are saying, hey, I've been an MLS fan for a long, long time, uh, way from the beginning. But this is kind of a basically, you kind of, you mean, it's something, MLS has gone too far and they've lost me as a fan. Yeah, I I think it's uh, something very uh, prevalent in people I talk to also that say, they thought because they subscribed to uh, Apple TV Plus for whatever your Ted Lasso or, or, or movies or, or what have you, Slow Horses, some some show like that, that it would be just like their uh, Champions League and NWSL viewing because they subscribed to Paramount Plus for to watch Yellowstone in 1883 and all this stuff. So um, that was again a, a sentiment that was more prevalent than I thought it would be, and uh, I. Uh, I, I actually am quite shocked myself because I'm an Apple TV Plus subscriber. I thought there it, there would be an add-on fee, but I thought it might be uh, $2.99 a month or something like that, something very nominal. But uh, clearly, uh, it's uh, it's not. It's it's thirteen dollars a month if you if you have Apple TV. It's fifteen if you don't. So uh, yeah, I, I I think that uh, what. Uh, 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 Chris is saying is absolutely spot on and, it, and, and typifies what a lot of people are thinking. 
So Michael Engelhart says, I thought the Apple TV deal was a bad idea from the start. MLS way overestimated the interest level of their fan base. So many fans are really only fans of their clubs. I'm a Minnesota United fan. I watched all their games last year on ESPN+. Am I paying double the amount per month this year to watch a bunch of other teams I don't care about? No way. Apple MLS scheduling to have all the games start at the same time is just dumb for me. Having a lot of uh, games, uh, day games in years past was great. Chris says, after listening to your pod on MLS Season Pass, I have to agree with both of you that MLS Season Pass has some major issues that need to be addressed. The biggest issue that I see with it is cost. Uh, MLS Season Pass is very cost prohibitive. People are not going to pay $14 a month or $99 a season to watch a league where the quality of play isn't that good. This directly leads into the other major issue I see, one which uh, Kartik has brought up, which is the lack of urgency in many regular season matches. In many cases, there is often nothing on the line in regular season matches. I think this could uh, largely be fixed by cutting the schedule in half and having teams only play within the conference for the regular season and playoffs. Only seeing teams in the other conference in things like the US Open Cup, Leagues Cup and MLS Cup Final itself. By doing this, in my view, it allows teams to develop intense rivalries, uh, both geographically and within the conference, because they are playing teams multiple times with high stakes. MLS would need to curb their desires for expansion in order to do this. If USL can do this successfully, there's no reason why MLS cannot do the same. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of issues here, and I think it's in some ways, MLS Season Pass is exposing some of the, cons- the issues that have been happening within MLS for a long time. Um, part of the way, in terms of just even the way that uh, the league is set up with, with the conferences, um, again, again, it's I mean, it's something that I mean, you look at previous years, right? Uh, on a typical weekend on national television, right? You'd have ESPN would have their game of the weekend. Uh, Fox would have their game of the weekend, sometimes on Fox, sometimes on FS1. And then Univision would have a game usually on on a Saturday afternoon. So you'd you'd have three, sometimes four uh, nationally televised uh, games. Um, And that would be enough for most people to watch those games and feel that they've gotten enough uh, MLS entertainment. Or they could always subscribe to ESPN Plus and see a lot of those uh, out-of-market games for the, the the Saturday night games. Well, the Saturday night games, the out-of-market games, ESPN Plus and, and regional sports networks, those viewing numbers weren't that large. I mean, they, they, were, they were not that significant. Um, now that you've got almost like, you know, MLS season pass in, in a way is like, is like ESPN Plus. You're taking all those games now, taking most of them off television, almost all of them off television, and put them into a streaming Saturday night window. Um, Thank, thank God for the MLS 360 to <laughs> to manage all of that. So we, you can still feel that you're still kind of uh, getting your entertainment as far as what's going on within MLS and which teams are doing great and which teams are not doing so great, etc. Um, but there's a lot of issues that, that this deal is really revealing about MLS in terms of the way the league is structured. Uh, RBZ says, I dislike the navigation mechanics of the MLS Season Pass app. Too many clicks to launch a stream and no easy way to jump between streams. ESPN Plus does that well. Right, Kartik? It's like it's like it's click, click, yep. click, yep. click, click, <laughs> just, just to get to a game. Right. Uh, and uh, I, I thought Peacock was a pain because I... 
I did it again with Peacock. Which which match window was it this weekend where there were uh, several Premier League games at one time? Uh, maybe it was sun- uh, Sunday. 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 Yeah. Uh, and and to to to, uh, to get out of one and go to the other, you have to sometimes go back to the main menu, which is a pain. Uh, and that reminded me again the ease of ESPN Plus, or even if you w- watch ESPN Plus within your Hulu app, which I often do, it's still easy. And I just think it's their algorithm. They know what you're interested in. So La Liga, uh, Bundesliga matches, USL matches, they're always at the top of uh, anything I do on ESPN Plus or on Hulu. I mean, even though I watch a lot of movies and shows on Hulu, it knows, hey, at this time, he's probably watching USL. So let's put the USL games uh, where he can easily find them. So Greg says, what's funny reading the comments uh, here at worldsoccertalk.com about uh, the, the recent podcast and listening to, to the many, to, to many of them, uh, the pod has, many, many times the pod has covered the subject, is that there are two circles trying to be squared to each other when we need to think of it as a Venn diagram of overlapping circles with a mutually benefit, uh, beneficial common area. It's the issues of, its, of, of MLS as a local or national league. And should it cater more to match going and local TV fans or worry about who's watching Salt Lake versus Houston outside of those cities? The standard kickoff times on Saturdays uh, seem to be trying to solve a problem for match going fans, knowing that there would be consistent times over the season. You could plan ahead uh, if you're a season ticket holder uh, or know or know when a match would be on if you were a spontaneous match goer. Saturday, 730, uh, your time easy. To Kartik's points about the extra games being money grabs, maybe, but I'd argue, uh, just like Kartik says, it's just it's, it's a, as much about vibes and entertainment. Knowing I could go to a match on a Saturday with friends or family and be entertained for, say, 20 to $30 max with decent food and beverage prices, and it's easy to get to the stadium, public transport or cheap parking if the stadium is drive-up only, makes for a fun night out, like baseball in a way, Plenty of opportunities over a season to go to a game and doesn't uh, empty your wallet or max out your credit card for one match. You need repeat fan business. For the TV viewer, Saturday 7.30 isn't necessarily great. Not everyone wants to be uh, in on a Saturday night watching sports only for special occasions. And the bloated, meaningless season means that 70% of the games don't matter. Uh, So on television, you lose attention and there are other things to do, even if your local team is playing. But to watch, you have to sign up for Apple Plus and then the season pass. Well, actually, no, You, you can sign up for MLS season pass. Uh, directly through Apple TV. Uh, the central tension for MLS is whether it's local or national league. I've long long maintained they should focus on local match going and TV viewing fans. So consistent kickoff times um, and days make sense and local linear TV uh, broadcasts make sense. Chris is right in saying uh, there aren't enough compelling stories for non-local fans to care about. Maybe El Trafico. Uh, but without a marquee player everyone wants to watch, who cares about Salt Lake versus Houston or Cincinnati against Chicago outside of those cities playing? If Messi went to Miami and Ronaldo to Los Angeles or New York, those matches get eyeballs in Philly or Peoria. To fix MLS season pass, they need to cut the monthly cost, put the MLS 360 show somewhere easy to get outside of the Apple ecosystem, and maybe introduce a team plan and let people sign up without creating an Apple ID, maybe maybe sub-license those games to local linear TV. 
to fix MLS in general, shorten the regular season, cut down on playoff bloat, keep the consistent game days and times for match-going fans, and each match matters more. And do pro-rel, keep all the current teams and make a second division. Incorporate USL so that the top USL teams move up to MLS 2, bottom three uh, MLS 2 teams move to USL. The current model with too many matches over too long of a season with playoffs that barely matter until the final rounds, showing on TV in an expensive closed system is the worst of all worlds. You can't fix MLS season pass without fixing the league, and you can't really fix the league with a TV model such as MLS season pass. Wow. (laughs) Greg really sums it up there, Kartik, I think uh, in a really, really great way in terms of the issues that MLS has. And and that's where we're at, right? Is that um, the, this year nothing, nothing's going to change? Uh, yes, there may be, maybe they'll figure out some ways to incentivize people to sign up for MLS season pass as the season goes on, even to figure out some type of uh, marketing things that they can do to push it. Um, but really, what they need to be doing is talking about next year and saying, okay, all right, you mean Messi's not coming, uh, Busquets is not going to move the needle, even though they think it will. I mean, so what do we do? How do we structure this in such a way where it's going to be a win-win for everyone? Um, and I, it's there. I mean, in terms of if they are so married to the system that they have in the playoff system, basically look at the, the Mexican league and, and copy that league structure. Um, that will help things, at least for the time being, and then come up with a plan that's actually going to make the games more meaningful, give people reasons to subscribe to MLS Season Pass during the regular season, rather than you mean, wait till, what, September for people. And, and at that point, right, they're watching the World Series, they're watching NFL, NFL football, they're watching uh, college football. Now you're entering a competitive time of the year where you mean they may not want to pay whatever it is to subscribe to MLS Season Pass for the playoffs. All right, uh, JP says uh, way back when the prices were announced this past winter, I commented how the cost structure made zero sense. They should have priced uh, it so that a MLS fan has some somewhat of an incentive to bundle with Apple TV Plus, and for casual soccer fans already subscribed to Apple TV Plus to add MLS. Right now, an MLS fan needs to lay out an extra seventy bucks or so to receive the discount of about twenty dollars, pretty close to double the cost MLS is uh, without adding TV Plus. Why would they do that if they had no interest in Apple TV Plus before? Uh, why would a casual fan subscribe when so many games are available free even without an Apple TV Plus subscription? This service only makes sense for hardcore fans and probably not enough of those to make it profitable. Most casual fans like myself will just sample a free game here and there and quench their summer uh, soccer fix with the Brazilian League and maybe subscribe for what uh, for a short time while if their home team makes an MLS Cup run. Um, should have been available to add on to Apple TV Plus for an extra $5 at most, should have priced uh, it as a standalone at $10 a month at most, and like I said before, uh, maybe 12 to $13 as a bundle with Apple TV Plus. Do that and stop making so many games free, and maybe they'll get more subscribers. And JP2, it looks like uh, the games for free are going to be reduced. So previous weeks, they've had six this past weekend, they had two, so I think that's going to that has changed already, uh, and that may continue to change in the future. And then the last comment we have is from Michael. He says uh, the MLS schedule is terrible. 
basically all games at the same time on the same day. I watch the Union, which means I do not watch MLS 360, though I would uh, love to, uh, to, uh, to watch it because it is terrific. One game on a Sunday night is useless and easy to forget. Either skip Sunday or have three to four games in the afternoon so they can have another MLS 360 show. What happened to weeknight games? I would watch non-union games if offered. Take the best of the weekend and start it at 12 or 01 on Saturday and get some of the Premier League fans to uh, stay on the couch. Uh, during 360 that night, they will have something to talk about. I almost never hear the union announcers offered, so the announcer choice is sort of useless and was way overhyped to the point that I feel duped, which is never good when you pay so much. Start the games on time. This is a broken record, and I, I know you guys don't get it, and neither do I. Extremely annoying. And I think what Michael means, too, is that you mean, the kick kickoff times always listed at 7.30, but really, even though they always mention that, the, the kickoff time is like, what, 7.38 or 7.39 and, and so on and so forth for the other MLS games. So Michael uh, ends with saying uh, good things about MLS Season Pass. I regularly watch the MLS wrap-up show, and I love it. I also watch many of the MLS Next Pro games for the Union, so that's a cool feature. I have, I have the Apple TV Plus. I have the Apple TV 4K device, And the picture quality is gorgeous. I don't know what quality I'm getting, whether it's 4K or HD or whatever, but it's way better than what I get for Premier League games from YouTube TV on the same equipment. Suggestions, you would think on game day, Apple would uh, feature MLS Season Pass a bit more on the Apple TV Plus, like Watch Now tab for subscribers. If you do not favorite a team, so games appear in your Up Next the service can get lost among their other TV movie offerings. Add stats and advanced stats to the MLS Season Pass portal. Partner with one of the analytics companies and display heat maps, pie charts, etc. Or have game summaries like you, you do with uh, OneFootball and FootBob. Kartik, uh, just to, to sum up, any, any other thoughts about MLS Season Pass? I mean, this I, th I think we've reached an impasse. I think that now we're at what? We're about... Uh, three months into this to the season um and we've gotten a lot of feedback most of it negative most of it frustration um but i think it's really coming to a head right now as people realize you mean what this is which there are a lot of benefits of it a lot of pluses of it but there's a lot of uh issues um My, my take on this, before I hand it over to you, is I don't think these are necessarily MLS Season Pass issues or, or Apple TV issues. This is more league issues. Uh, and now that they've changed things around, a lot of these things are coming to, to a head. What's, what's your take overall on everything that the listeners have said? Yeah, the starting the matches on time is really a bugaboo of mine. This seems to be an American thing because, honestly, uh, it, ha it used to happen to us in NASL with certain clubs, and we would uh, uh, we, we had to start sending notes out from the league uh, threatening to find clubs for kicking off at 7.38 when uh, kickoff was announced at 7.30 uh, or, uh, or extending halftime or doing things to get people back into seats, right? Uh, and and uh, NWSL, which I followed more closely this year than I typically use, uh, did. I always followed the league, but uh, obviously writing a column this year for World Soccer Talk, the matches never start at the scheduled time. <laughs> I mean, it's always three minutes or five minutes or eight minutes later, particularly the games that are on CBS Sports Network or CBS, uh, and then they spill into the next broadcast window. That's uh, uh, because, yeah, 
But 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 with this though too, I mean, in the past you could have said like, okay, well it was TV, right? Because you had a game on ESPN two or FS one, and so yeah, it's listed at seven thirty kickoff time. But then they'd have a commercial break, or they'd they'd have, you I mean, I don't know, right, much, right, right. Uh, that that's kind of my now, point is, I thought this year yeah. because they were uh, com- exclusively on streaming, they would all kick off simultaneously at the at the same time. Also for MLS three sixty purposes, and there would be none of these issues. But in fact, it's as bad as ever. And uh, I, I don't know. Again, I think maybe it's an American thing with sports, the start times to games. I mean, the uh, start time, the advertised start time is when the broadcast starts. It's not when the uh, uh, match actually kicks off. Yeah. It, uh, and again, we, we've said this before and we'll say it again. It, it's a bait and switch. I mean, if, if somebody is, you mean, setting their plans and want to watch a game at 730 local time, I mean, and then they're waiting around for 10 minutes for the game to start, it's like, okay, is the game going to start or what's happening? Is the kickoff time going to be later, 8 o'clock? What's happening here? But, um, yeah, so a lot of issues, um, a lot of things that MLS have to listen to the feedback and, and figure out ways to make this work. And a lot of changes. Some of these changes are going to be changes that people, if adopted, if MLS does change, which they've been resistant to change, I mean, these things are going to cause some some issues but they're much needed. Here we have MLS off television for the most part, other than Fox, which I don't even know what's, what, what's that worth at this point, hardly anything. Um, and now they're in almost total, they are in total control of their broadcasts. They, they can dictate exactly what they want to do. They have to figure this out because this is, this is worrying. Okay, listeners, uh, if you do have some feedback for us about anything we've said on this podcast or if you have any questions, feedback or um, analysis or observations you want to share with us, uh, you can share it a bunch of different ways. First of all, you can go to worldsoccertalk.com and then click on podcasts and then leave comments in the most recent episode. You can send us an email, which is web at worldsoccertalk.com. You can go to Twitter and uh, tweet us at World Soccer Talk, or you can go to facebook.com slash um, World Soccer Talk and then leave us a message there. You can also leave us a voicemail. Uh, we did get one this week, which uh, we'll, we'll probably save for the next uh, episode, but that's uh, 561-247-4625. And Kartik, so I, I know you've been busy uh, with uh, on Substack Again, lots of lots of emails, lots of great content, including some really good analysis earlier this week about uh, uh, Don Garber's uh, comments about the U.S. Open Cup and its criticism of that. There were some really some great points there, as well as podcasts, etc. So, where can uh, people find uh, that content? Yeah, that's at beyondthe90.substack.com. And uh, honestly, Chris, that uh, that those couple articles on Garber and the U.S. Open Cup has done more to drive engagement and awareness that that substack exists than anything else I've done. I mean, it's funny because U.S. Open Cup, he's saying is a niche product and not that many people care. And maybe that's true, but it feels like all the people who do care are really engaged and listening to our pod and reading World Soccer Talk and are on Twitter and now reading Beyond the 90s. So I, I, I think the potential audience for the competition is much bigger than maybe MLS thinks it is yeah and 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 the great thing about that too Kartik, is both this podcast and, and our writing and, and your writing with the, the substack newsletter is a lot of people are not saying these things you I mean so you, if you're you you might see a tweet from somebody or you might see kind of a facebook comment from somebody but there's not a lot of actually written or or, or audio or podcast uh 
uh, focused on these things that are really important. So when D- Don Garber does criticize U.S. Open Cup, and, and, I, and I think some of them are, some of it is fair criticism. Um, you, you see the dialogue between MLS and U.S. Soccer. And U.S. Soccer, the representative uh, who was in the conversation, David Wright, I think it was, with Don Garber, didn't push back. He was like, okay, yeah, 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 I think, uh, yeah, we, we definitely, uh, uh, there's been some changes and we need to focus on uh, going ahead and improving U.S. Open Cup, which I, th- I think everyone would agree about. But there was no kind of pushback on Don Garber saying, like, well, Don, actually, some of these I- issues that you mentioned, um, maybe MLS uh, can actually help out with. Maybe this is something that MLS uh, needs, needs to get more involved in. And uh, these are some of the things that, that, that you've done recently that actually kind of held us back or hurt us. So let's th- work together on this rather than MLS pointing fingers at U.S. soccer. I think there needs to be a little bit of pushback on U.S. soccer to MLS. Yeah, All right, completely guys. agree. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta go. Uh, we will back, be back. Uh, we've got a plan for a, an interview midweek, and then later this week uh, we're gonna have a, uh, a different guest on for the uh, the, the end of the week segment. Kartik's uh, uh, gonna take a break, and then we'll be back next week uh, with another episode. So wherever you are in the world, uh, thank you for listening. And Kartik uh, heading into Champions League. I mean, as well as uh, Concacaf uh, Champions League and much much more from around the world. What should they do this week, and what are you gonna do? Enjoy your football.